Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's scriptwriter Steve with a shameless plug for my company, Dream Weddings Hawaii. So, if you want to get married in Hawaii, if you want to get your vows renewed in Hawaii, and if you want some family pictures in Hawaii, make sure you check me out. So, my website is dreamweddingshawaii.com. So, that's dream, weddings with a S, Hawaii spelled out, dot com. Yo, what's going on, everyone? What is cooking? This is scriptwriter Steve, and welcome to my podcast, Barbecue to Movies. Well, today is October 12, 2022. It is currently 1.22 a.m. in the morning. I'm up late doing my thing. And uh, if you listen to my podcast, when I say doing my thing, <laughs> that means I'm working on wedding stuff because I own a wedding company called Dream Wedding Hawaii. Uh, yes, I'm a screenwriter, and I also do wedding stuff. And... Uh, I haven't done a lot of screenwriting for the movies in a long time, about 25 years. Actually, I never did it for the movies. I did it for television. I produced my own things. I had three television shows over in Japan. And I was uh, into the independent producing stuff before it got pretty hip. I never really worked for the studio system. Worked on a lot of movie scripts that never got produced into movies. And that's why I left the movie industry. It's very, very tough to actually, uh, you know, take a movie from script to screen. Um, it really, uh, there's a lot of money involved, a lot of politics involved, a lot of egos involved. And uh, the, the, the odds are stacked against you that you're not going to really, you know, <laughs> get your script made into a movie. And that's why I left the movie industry. Um, even on top of that, I just couldn't see myself investing a lot of time into storylines that I didn't create. And that's one of the most frustrating things. You work on, if you're a screenwriter and you're trying to make it in Hollywood, you are going to be working on other people's projects most of the time. And that's what I found myself doing. You know, rewriting this, rewriting that, rewriting a scene here, rewriting, a, it's just, it's not the best thing. It's not, it's not the most fun. And, uh, you know, when I came down to Hawaii, you know, I started my own production company and we produced a lot of TV commercials. We produced a lot of our own shows down here and we produced three TV shows, three travel shows. Um, I guess in Japan, and they were rather successful. They were so successful that the state of Hawaii, <laughs> they took credit for producing it, even though they didn't invest a penny into it, you know? So, uh, you know, what, what can you say? That was my first introduction into politics, how corrupt politicians can be, and how they can lie to the public with a straight face. So anyway... Uh, before I get into what I really want to talk about, how was your weekend? I know today is Wednesday, and uh, it's kind of late to be talking about how your weekend was, but I didn't do a podcast from Monday or Tuesday. And, um, you know, I wanted to talk about my weekend. It's not, I guess not, is it a weekend? Uh, well, I would say it's probably my weekend. So uh, this weekend, if we count Friday as a weekend, why don't we just count Friday as a weekend? I, I always count Fridays as a weekend. I count Sundays as a weekday because it feels like you're going back to work on Monday, right? Uh, but anyway, on Friday, um, uh, we actually buried, my family buried my grandmother, uh, I guess, at Hawaii Memorial. We had her funeral. Her, her celebration of life um, happened on Friday morning. Um, that was kind of the reasons why I didn't really do a podcast that week. Not because I was emotionally hurt. Um, to be very honest with you, um, I was, uh, while I was moved at the funeral service and while I miss my grandmother, I miss her laugh, I miss her sense of humor. Um, I wish she was still alive. There's a part of me that wishes she was still alive. Um, 
I also know that she's in a better place right now. Uh, my mother, well, my grandmother lived to be 99 years old and uh, she had uh, Alzheimer's. So, you know, she was, you know, slowly, her brain was slowly going away. My interpretation of Alzheimer's is that your body is here on earth and your soul is slowly going away. So what you have left is a shadow shell of itself. And uh, so, you know, the, the shell is operating by muscle memory and uh and that is really the person you're talking to has already left and gone to heaven that was my, that's really my interpretation whenever someone has alzheimer's because you know when you, you when you when you reach out to them they're there yet they're not there and uh i think uh, depending on, on on the circumstance of how bad the case of alzheimer's it is that's the, probably the most painful part for families who are going through, um, I guess, having a loved one, you know, forget who they are. Uh, one of my classmates, I remember, um, I remember him talking to me, as a, and his father had, you know, advanced Alzheimer's, and he was very young when this happened. We were right out of high school. And he told me the most painful part was not his father dying, but the part where he walked into the room and his father didn't, didn't have any idea who he was. He said that was really painful. And, he took, and when he told it to me, I mean, I could see the tears in his eyes, you know, the, the watery eyes um, that was building up there. And uh, he said he wasn't sorry that his father had died. He said his father died a long time ago. And by the time his father had died, he was like a vegetable. And a lot of people don't really know this about Alzheimer's is that, you know, as people start to deteriorate, um, they start to lose motor functions, you know, um, they, 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 it's not only that they they forget their memory, but their body forgets how to function. So my grandmother, her, her hands couldn't open. They were like an always enclenched fist. And, um, it wasn't like a trigger finger or, or anything like this, just that her body forgot how to open her hands. Her body forgot how to walk. Her body, her muscles even forgot how to actually swallow water at the end. And that's the reason why at the end, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I really prayed that, you know, she just, she wanted to go. Every single time I went to visit her, and I would visit her often, she would tell me that she wanted to go. And finally, finally, she went while I was on vacation in California, while I was waiting in line over at the, I guess, was it the Universal Studios ride or Disneyland ride? I think it was the Universal Studios mummy ride. Um, my, my father had texted me, and then uh, I called him back, and he said that, I'm, you know, sorry to spoil your vacation, but your grandmother died. And, uh, you know, I really, at that moment, I wasn't sad at all. I, I really wasn't sad. Uh, you know, no, no tears shed for my grandmother because she lived such a great life. Um, and uh, of course, I missed her. I wish I could have said more. But every single time I would see her, I would, I would um, put into my mind that this was the last time I was going to see her. And uh, she would always tell me, be good, Steve. You be good. <laughs> it's not like I'm a naughty person. I'm not, I'm not a bad person. I don't do bad things. But she always told me, you be good. Do the right thing. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and it's not like she had to tell me that because, you know, I'm a, I'm a type, type one reformer on the Enneagram. Uh, you know, I, I do the right thing, what I think is the right thing, almost to a fault, right? And I want you to do the right thing. And, that, and if, I don't do, if I don't see you doing the right thing, I become very, very argumentative with you. Uh, but she told me that every single time almost before I, uh, before I would uh, leave her. And, uh, I guess that was just in case that if she didn't wake up the next day, um, she got what she wanted to say to me. So message, message received grandmother. If you're listening to my podcast, message received.
Um, but anyway, we had a great ceremony. My family members, like some of my family members came down from San Francisco. Big time Trump supporters stayed at our house. Uh, and I ended up cooking for them on Saturday some prime rib. Uh, and, I, and I hate to brag and talk about myself like, like I'm really good. But I tell you what, I'm, if you could ever taste my cooking, and, and you will be able to, okay, because I'm going to open that barbecue restaurant. But I'm not sure if I'm going to cook my prime rib. But my grandfather, before he left this earth, uh, uh, he taught me his prime rib recipe. And uh, I tell you, what, he, he taught the basics to me, and I, and I took that recipe. Because my, my, my father, I remember growing up, and my father would tell me, you know, your, your grandfather, your gungung, that's what they call it in Chinese, your gungung, he makes the best prime rib. And he would tell me stories that there was this restaurant. So my, my grandfather was like a, a jack of all trades. I mean, he, he was everything from a welder. He worked for Boeing and he was also a really good chef. He was a radio talk show host. He, he had his own Chinese talk show, um, that my father believes it was conservative, um, on the radio. So he's kind of doing what I'm doing right now, except he's doing it. He actually had a talk show. And, uh, but he was everything, you know, a welder, so talented, a really good chef, and he could cook, and then he could cook prime rib. And my dad would tell me this story. He told me the story, um, that there was this restaurant that was going on a business. And what, and he went there and he said to, to the restaurant owners, I'll cook you your prime rib. And, uh, I only have one rule that I'll go there in the morning, I'll cook it, I won't tell you the recipe. And, and, uh, and that's it. I'll cook it and I'll go home. And there was a line out this restaurant for his prime rib. And then my, then my grandfather quit and then that company went out of business. But that's how good his prime rib was. So I took that prime rib recipe. Well, I never took it. Um, before he passed away, I was back in high school. He taught me how to cook this prime rib. I asked him, can you cook, teach me how to cook prime rib? And he showed me the recipe. He showed me how. I didn't write, write, write everything down, but he showed me everything. And then after he showed it to me, I would try to repeat it over and over and over and over again. And then I, as I became a better cook, I modified his recipe. And, and, and it is now, like, now it is a version of what he taught me. And I've taken it a step further. And my Uncle Harry, who's my dad's brother, you know, uh, he told me that, my prime rib, when he ate it this past Saturday, my prime rib is way better than Gungung's. And I was like, wow, that's, and, and he's a, he, he's a critic, right? And, and, and I was like, wow, that really made me feel, <laughs> feel really, really good. And, and uh, I cook prime rib, by the way, for, um, before COVID, we'd have these Christmas parties. Um, and I would always cook it for the Christmas party. Uh, a lot of my relatives, I mean, you know, relatives, they say, oh, it's the best, it's the best, it's the best. But, I hear that, and but you you have to read their actions. So when they come up for seconds and thirds, and you have like aunts and uncles who really are not meat eaters, go up for seconds. You know, my aunt, she's a little skinny woman, my auntie Char, and she goes up for seconds. She gets a rib and all those different things. You know it's good food, right? And even my grandmother, she loved it. Oh, she really, really loved it. And, uh, had my friends over and said, wow, you really know how to cook. And, and, uh, you know, um, it, it was, it was just one of those really great things. And, uh, I remember my grandmother, my popo, my other grandmother, not the one who, who passed away just recently on my dad's side. Uh, but the, my grandmother who just passed away is on my mom's side. My grandmother on my dad's side, she passed away a long time ago. Uh, but she came down 
for another funeral funeral service. One of my dad's brothers died, and uh, I, I had the opportunity to make the prime rib for her. And so I made it for her. And then she told me, and I asked her, well, how is it? How does it compare to gungungs? And she told me, she said, you know, Steve, this is, this is way better, way more flavorful than gungungs. This is like way, way better. And that, and, and that really hit home for me because she would tell me if, if I didn't, if my food didn't taste good. So, uh, you know, I, I just know how to cook prime rib really, really well, been doing it for so long. And I, I'm thinking maybe I'll sell it on the barbecue trailer when things finally start going. Yeah, you know, I know some of you are asking, when are you guys going to open like that? You know, but yeah, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a slow process. I mean, I got a wedding company. My father has this computer company. My mom, my mom is real estate and then my grandmother dies and all those things. And then I'm, you know, we're just coming out of COVID, right? And, you know, it's tough right now. Like, you know, money, money is there and yet it's not there. It's not as stable. I mean, the economy is coming back. Um, but it, it's, it's not as hot as people say it is. I mean, people, there's people who have money. There's people who don't have money. Everything's more expensive. So, you know, how many people can actually travel to Hawaii to, you know, to, to get what, to get married, right? It's, it's really, really tough. So, you know, but <sighs> that's, that was, that's how my weekend happened. So I, I we, we buried my grandmother on Friday. It was, it's very sweet. I think that's the best way to, 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 um, describe it. Uh, my uncles and aunts, uh, I don't think they had tears. I think the only one who had tears was Melly, and she was her, my grandmother's, uh, caretaker. And when I, you, you know, when you see someone cry, that's when it hits you. So that's when it hit me just a little, just a little. Like you, you feel that, that, uh, that urge to like, you know, kind of break down. But and I said, you know, I gotta check my, I, I, I check my emotions. I really checked my emotions. And then I said, you know, I kept telling myself, this isn't a sad moment. It really isn't. And uh, when we buried her at the, at the, at the mortuary um, and lowered a casket, this butterfly, I kid you not, this butterfly appeared out of nowhere. Like, I don't know where a butterfly, but it appeared out of nowhere. And it started to fly left and right. And it visited all the people there before it flew off. I've never seen a butterfly do that in my life. I mean, I do, I do a lot of butterflies with weddings, right? You know, they, we, we freeze it. They, 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 kind of, they kind of freeze it, refrigerate it. They kind of make it dormant or sleepy. They open the box and they, they just fly away. And then some of them hang around and get stuck to the bride's hair. And, uh, but they've never, they never go through the crowd. They just, they just, they just up and go, right? This one, it flew left and right through the rows of people, made sure to visit everyone. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was crazy right there, right there, right? And, and other people saw this. And then my, then my cousin's wife said, did you see the butterfly? I said, yeah, I, I saw it. I saw it. And she goes, that was your grandma. And I'm like, I said, that's nice to say, but don't tell me my grandmother, you know, you know, got reincarnated into a butterfly. I hope not. It's like, that's kind of a downgrade from a human, you know. I hope she's in heaven. Maybe that was influence. Maybe that's God's way. Maybe it was her way of influencing that butterfly to go back and forth before she left. Um, but it, it, it was a nice thing. It was a nice thing. When I saw that butterfly, I was like, it, 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 it did get to me a little. It really did. So, 
Now I don't now I know I went off on a tangent on my grandmother, and that's not really what I talk about. And what I'm gonna be talking about right now is a real big jump cut because it has nothing to do with my grandmother at all. I'm gonna be talking. I'm gonna read this article first and now comment on it as I go. I may not read the whole article, but get this, get this, get this, get this, get this. The FBI offered Christopher Steele $1 million to prove the dossier claims, right? The dossier claims. And that's what one senior FBI analyst testified. So let me get this straight. The FBI paid Christopher Steele. Now, Christopher Steele, Christopher Steele is the guy who created the dossier. And that dossier was used to spy on the Trump campaign. It was used to try to, you know, investigate him to try to, to, um, to create an impeachment case against Donald Trump for three years of his entire, I guess, presidency, right? It, it was just made to, to create a huge ruckus. That's what it was. And they were trying to steal the election. They were trying to overturn the election. Now, the FBI offered Christopher Steele $1 million to prove that dossier. I said dossier early because I'm just reading it. I know it's dossier, all right? I'm sorry. It's 1.30 in the morning, guys, okay? Okay, dossier. They, they wanted to prove that it was, it was uh, 100% legit. Now, get this. I'll read this article for you, okay? Shortly before the 2016 election, the FBI ordered retired British spy Christopher Steele up to $1 million to prove the explosive allegations in his dossier about Donald Trump, a senior FBI analyst testified on Tuesday. So what was in that dossier, right? That he was compromised with the Russians primarily because, you know, this hotel had a P-tape on there. You know, Donald Trump took these hookers back up to his penthouse in this Russian hotel and he peed all over them, okay? Now, here's a big, here's a big hole in that. Now, first of all, if you take all these hookers up up the up the elevator, you're gonna see it because they have cameras in these elevators, right? Remember when Ray Rice was beating up his wife and all that? We saw that on the on the on the elevator, right? Camera. Or remember when um, what do you call like uh, uh, I think Beyonce's sister started beating up Jay Z and everything like that? You know, socking him a good one. That was all caught on the elevator cam. So if Donald Trump took any what do you call of these? prostitutes up over there into his penthouse, you would see that. You would absolutely see that because they have security cameras in these elevators, but they could never produce that. They could never produce that, right? How do you get up to the penthouse with it? <laughs> you know, without getting up to the elevator, are you going to walk up to the penthouse? Secondly, if Trump pees all over the place and everyone's peeing all over the place and they have to, they have to wash all of this crap, wouldn't the hotel have something to say about it? What did the hotel, you know, that was at the root of this huge conspiracy theory have to say? They actually sued. They sued the company that put together the dossier because they said that was all fake news. It never happened. None of these stuff never happened. And and that bad, that bad, uh, that bad type of image was stopping them from booking, uh, from booking, uh, I guess, clients. You know, from people staying in the hotel. A lot of people did not want to stay in that penthouse, so they actually ended up suing the people who created that dossier. Okay? So even with all that said, even with all that said, right, you know, the FBI comes out here and says that, you know, with all those holes and plot holes in that story, right, that should have been plugged, you know, they still tell Christopher Steele 
We'll pay you up to $1 million to prove the explosive, these, these explosive allegations are true. Okay, I'm going to continue reading. The cash offer was made during an overseas October 26th meeting between Steele and several top FBI officials. Who are the top FBI officials that can promise such a deal like this? That's Jim, James Comey. James Comey. The top FBI officials, they don't want to name his name, but it's James Comey. He was the head of the FBI. All right? Now, FBI supervisory analyst Brian Alton testified that still never got the money because he could not prove the allegations. So right away, right away, the FBI analyst, FBI knows, Jim Comey and all those people, they know for a fact that this dossier is 100% not real because Christopher Steele can't prove that it's real and they offered him up to $1 million and they said, hey, well, you know, this is fake. But they still went through this entire investigation for three years. They still hired on all these Democrat operatives, right, and tried to go fishing, 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 fishing for anything wrong. And they didn't find anything. But for three years, the FBI lied to you. And for three years, CNN lied to you. Three years, MSNBC lied to you. And people like me who said, wait a minute, there are plot holes in this. This story is like a poorly written script. I can tell something's wrong with it. You can tell. You can really tell. It's like when you watch a movie and someone takes a 22 caliber and shoots out an F-22 from the ground. It can't happen. That's a plot hole, right? It can't happen. It's scientifically, you cannot shoot out an F-22 Raptor if you're on the ground and you have a, and you have a 22 caliber pistol in your hand. Can't happen. I'm sorry. Especially if that plane is at 40,000 feet. When you write that in the script and you, and you tell that screenwriter, dude, do your freaking homework because that lie isn't a good one. And apparently the FBI couldn't figure out, well, all this P-tape stuff, that's not a good lie. They couldn't just, you know, the, the hotel says it's fake. You know, everyone's, you know, the, you, we, we, can't, we don't have video evidence. We have nothing. And on top of that, $1 million, right? We, we say $1 million prove that it's real. And you know what? You can't prove that it's real. But with all that being said, let's just hire a special consul to investigate Trump. And get this. That's how bad they wanted him out of office. That's how bad. That's how So they talk about Donald Trump and MAGA supporters, ultra MAGA, being a threat to democracy. Jim Comey and the FBI <laughs> tried to overturn a duly elected president. And who was part of this entire thing? Hillary Clinton. Who was pushing this lie? The Bidens. Obama. All this time, they were pushing this. It's all baloney. And when this didn't work, when this didn't work, right? Imagine this. The Democrats and the left, they use the FBI. They're willing to pay someone to say, just prove that it's real. Come on, we want to get rid of this guy, right? They're cheating. That's cheating. When they couldn't get this through, they took a perfectly good phone call with the, with the, with the president of U Ukraine, and they impeached Donald Trump over investigating quid pro quo deals that Joe Biden had made to get his son, you know, off the hook because he was he had some pretty funny business going on with one of the one of the companies down there. He was going to pay eighty thousand dollars a month to do nothing, right? 
And they're saying, oh, Donald Trump is just trying to, trying to, they, they twisted it. So they're saying, Donald Trump is trying to not get to the bottom of justice. They're not, he's not trying to get to the bottom of whether or not Joe Biden used the vice president's office to, to enrich himself. They're not, he's actually trying to find, dig up negative, negative, uh, I guess, negative, uh, uh, information about a, a president, a, a possible presidential campaign. And when that information came out, what did they say? Oh, it was the Russians. It was the Russians, Russian, Russian. Everything's Russian. It almost seems that if the Democrats cry Russian, it's their way of crying wolf, right? Oh, it was the Russians. Hunter Biden's laptop, it was the Russians. Oh, the Russians are doing all of this. And that's all they can say. You know, Tulsi Gabbard just came out and she said, oh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to become an independent. Now, I'm not a big fan of Tulsi Gabbard. But you know what were what were the the, the Democrats saying? They're they're singing her high praises because she was you know a woman of color. Oh, she was a beautiful woman. You know, Tulsi Gabbard's very very she's strikingly beautiful. And then on top of that, she was like all in for Bernie Sanders and oh oh great we we love her and all that kind of stuff. And and, and then all and all of a sudden she she starts questioning the Democrat Party. Now I'm not sure if she's just to further her career, but all of a sudden. Hillary Clinton says, oh, she is a Russian plant. She's a Russia, 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 Russia. And again, that's the Democrats' cry, way to cry wolf. Anytime you hear them, it is the Russians, Russians, Russians. They are crying wolf. And now, and now we see what's going on right now with this, you know, <laughs> with this pipeline, uh, the Nord Stream 2 pipe, 1 and 2 pipeline that got destroyed. And what are they saying? Oh, it's the Russians who destroyed that. The Russians destroyed that, right? The Russians who, who make a lot of money selling oil, selling natural gas to Germany. And that's the way they're making billions of dollars, right? They want to blow that up. And that makes a lot of sense. It's like me blowing up Dream Weddings Hawaii because I want to get back at, you know, whoever. I'm just going to blow up Dream Weddings Hawaii. Okay, because that makes a lot of sense. Talk about plot host. They don't. This is a Democrat. They don't even think about lies, right? So who is who destroyed Nord Stream one and two? And right on that same day of destroying Nord Stream one and two, they, they there's a proposal that was greenlit for another natural pipeline coming coming from the left that was not coming from Russia. I'm not for. I think from Sweden or one of those Nordic countries over there. Just happens to be. Always just happened to be, right? And now, and now, you know, why don't we just back up just a little bit? After Trump is impeached and, and it doesn't go through, we have, we have that so-called January 6th quote-unquote insurrection that happens and then Donald Trump gets impeached right after that. Right after that. And the Democrats, what do they do? They lie. They parade around and they use Officer Sitnik, who died right after January 6th, and they say he died of injuries that he attained at that quote-unquote insurrection. They held off from releasing his autopsy for months. They put his body in the rotunda and had Democrats and Republicans come over there, put their hand in that coffin and, and of a dead person, knowing for a fact he did not die from any wounds any wounds that he actually had gotten from the January 6th, um, I guess, quote-unquote, insurrection. He died of a stroke. He died of natural causes. He died, he, he did not get hit on, hit on the head with any type of fire extinguisher. He, um, I guess bear mace 
did not, what do you call like, affect him at all. They didn't kill him at all. That's not what happened. He died of a stroke. And who knows, maybe he died from that vaccine. Who knows? Because that's when the vaccine was first coming out and people were getting vaccinated. Healthy guy just died from there. Okay? But they don't want to talk about all of those things. And oh, by the way, Officer Sitnik was a Trump supporter. Okay? He was a big time Trump supporter. That, that's, that's something they tend to forget. And the one person who died, Ashley Babbitt, who was shot by a cop over there, right? Who was not, Ashley Babbitt was not armed. She was shot in the neck by a, by a trigger happy cop for a per, and he, she did not pose a threat to anyone. That guy was given an award. That guy was given an award and it's purely political. And when this January 6th committee, you know, convened, to try to make a case just recently to, to why Donald Trump should not run for office. Well, what happened? <laughs> they did not even mention <laughs> Ashley Babbitt as the, the as a death, as a recognized death on that day. They recognized people who may have committed suicide months after. They, they, they said, I think, five or six people had died. And, and I think most of those people who had died had committed suicide. And you, there's no way you can correlate their suicide to what happened on January 6th. Nothing. And they did not mention one time Ashley Babbitt. All the, all those hours of video footage that, that was around the Capitol, they're not releasing any of that, right? All they care about is trying to, to craft a story that is fake to make sure that, to prosecute Donald Trump so he can't run. And even get this. Where's the January 6th committee right now? Where, where did that go? It just disappeared because they found out that as, the, as these trials were going on, <laughs> it didn't phase anything. In fact, Donald Trump's popularity ro- rose. They found out that, you know, these, that, these, that these hearings were a bunch of BS, just like this stupid dossier stuff, right? They're just they're piling on lies after lie after lie. They're trying to cheat their way to another win. They're trying to rig the election in a different way by giving you false information, right? They're the ones who are the threat to democracy because they're, they're distorting the truth. And that's why when, it, when we come up and say, hey, wait a minute, you know, could we just take a look at the 2020 election because things really don't look right. It doesn't really look right to me that, you know, when we had punch cards to go vote before and we could find out who actually ended up winning before the end of the day. And now all of a sudden with Scantron machines, like these Dominion machines, it takes about two weeks to find out, you know, who the hell, you know, won this, this area. And for these mail-in ballots, why do we go to court to, why do we go to court, fall over ourselves? Why are the Democrats falling over themselves and saying, we need to change the way mail-in ballots are counted? We can't count them before the provisional vote. Provisional vote is the day of voting. We have to count them after. Why after? It was always meant to be count, to count, to be counted before the provisional vote because that way you couldn't go vote hunting. You couldn't go ballot hunting, right? You say, this is all the ballots right there. Too bad. Too bad. You can't find any more. That's all. You, you, we got, we got this amount and then we're going to start counting the provisional vote. But what do they do? They change it so you can count mail-in ballots weeks after. And what do we find? At every single area, every single state that Joe Biden needed to win, is he won because them, those mail-in ballots, they found afterwards. They counted the, the mail-in ballots after the provisional vote, and it took them two weeks to find enough votes 
So Joe Biden could win. And I tell you what, I, I, you know, I read how these mail-in ballots are supposed to be open, and they weren't being opened properly. So every single mail-in ballot should actually be disqualified. Do you know how they're supposed to be open? When you get a mail-in ballot, you're supposed to have a Democrat and a Republican right there. Okay? You open it, you look at it, and you, you give it to the Democrat, and he says, okay, I see the vote there. Republican, says, Republican verifies it, and they put it right down there in the pile. That's it, and they put a stamp on it, and, they, they, and that's it. What were they doing? They were just opening it up and putting it right in a pile. That's all they were doing. They weren't having people verify it back and forth. Once you open up that envelope, the chain of custody is gone. So you can just open it and put it right in the pile. You don't know. You're not verifying anything. You know? And then on top of that, they were copying. They were, they were copying because when you get mail-in ballots, some of them are not able to count in the certain Dominion machines or any, any Scantron machines, right? So they have to be copied. And that's fine. But you have to have two people there, Republican and Democrat, verifying back and forth. That's why you have poll watchers, right? But they put these people back in the corner so you could do anything. You know, one person can sway an election. One, if, you, if you put one person who's corrupt there, they can sweat. And don't tell me that doesn't happen. And then what are, why did all of the machines, all of the machines, different time zones, stop counting at the same time? Isn't that kind of weird? So these are like things you just raise your hand and say, that's kind of weird. That's really weird. And also, why are they using these Dominion machines, which have the option? I'm not saying they used it, but they have the option to wait votes. So say, for example, if you vote for me, that counts as 0.75. If you vote for you, that counts as 1.2. You know, Dominion's, uh, Dominion's uh, defense of that was saying, they said that, well, just because the option is there, it doesn't mean you have to take it. My question is that, why is the option there? Why is it there for? Now, if you ask that question, you know, you're not being American, right? You are a threat to democracy. And that doesn't make any sense. Does that make any sense to you? And that's, and that's why I'm a conservative. Because when you're a Democrat, you just look the other way. You, you, you just nod your head and say, whatever, whatever comes down from permanent Washington, you, you take hook, line, and sinker. Even with these vaccines, right? Now, I did believe, I made the mistake of believing Fauci and the NIH, and, and I think, I think Donald Trump did too. All right. I made the mistake of believing Pfizer, Moderna, and all these other, like, all, all these other, like, all these other, uh, uh, I guess tests they're, like, they're, they're putting out here. I made that mistake because, and, and there's, there's people on the right who are conspiracy theorists, but just, can we get this? A lot of what they're saying has now come to fruition and it was correct. All right. It's correct. Some of the things. <laughs> so some of the other things are still out there. We're like, you know, you have 5G inside of the inside of your mRNA vaccine. That's not true. Okay, there's no need for them to go to, to go flat Earth to prove that these mRNA vaccines are not that great. And right now, right now they're pushing. I see Pfizer. I watch football, right? And I see Pfizer out there advertising and say, hey, you know, go take the new Omicron shot we just created. And this other, this other doctor comes out and says, who, this doctor was an advocate for the first two shots. He was, he was an advocate somewhat for some of one of the boosters. But now he's saying, 
you know, there's no proof that this Omicron shot actually works because Omicron is a variant that is so mild. You know, this, the, luckily, COVID has, has taken the path of all other viruses where as it gets more contagious, it gets way less, um, I guess, what is the word here? It's a lot less bad for you. Why don't we just say that? I can't find the word. Got some brain fog from some, from a, the leftover mRNA, right? But it's, but it's not it's not as lethal as it was when it first came out. Like for example, if if you got the first generation of COVID over there in Wuhan, ugh, that's not good. Not not only is it good as if you speak up against it, the Chinese government may come by and kill you, right? But if you got the second one, it still wasn't that great. I had friends. Who, who got the Delta version and the Delta version, it still actually was not that good for you. I mean, it, it, it still sent you to the hospital. I had some friends who actually went to the hospital and had, and had to be put on oxygen. One of my other friends, she lost about 20 pounds. Okay. So, so still some serious stuff, but now we're here. We're living in the Omicron, right? And this, this, uh, this, this virus has basically turned into like, you know, like, like, like less than a common cold. Now, when I got it, I got the Omicron version. Uh, I was sick for maybe about a couple of days. Felt really tired and uh, really tired. I got and then after I recovered, I developed a short cough for about a week. Uh, Pitmaster Keith developed a cough that lasted about a month and a half. Uh, but that's it. <laughs> you didn't die, right? Now, when you take the vaccine, this doctor is saying you, there's no way to test that this Omicron vaccine will actually you know do any it will make you feel any better because they're saying that you're still going to get sick. You know, your symptoms will still be mild, but your symptoms are going to be mild anyway with Omicron. <laughs> you know, it's, I had worse symptoms when I got a rock stuck up my nose from a, from the, from the, uh, the, the Incredibles ride over at Disneyland. And I, and I ended up getting a chest infection from that rock. Then COVID. Okay. Okay. I wish they had a vaccine for that freaking rock, but. That's what the doctor said. There's no way to test it. And on top of that, the new, and I kid you not, this new vaccine, they only tested it on, on eight lab rats before getting the emergency authorization to poke everyone. <laughs> does that make any sense? That does not make any sense whatsoever, you know? So, and apparently, if you don't get it, then you may, you may not be considered fully vaccinated. That's also pretty crazy too, right? <laughs> you know, what's also even more crazy. Joe Biden is giving a interview with 60 Minutes and he's out there saying, this pandemic is over. Can't you see everyone's walking without masks? It's over. Everything's back to normal. So if everything is back to normal and this, and this, uh, this pandemic is over, why does Pfizer get an emergency authorization to sell this damn vaccine? That's my question. And of course, if you ask that question, Fauci would say, well, how dare you ask that question? You're not allowed to ask questions out there. And you, you post this question on Facebook, you get banned. You, or, or you get that little warning label right on the, right on the bottom of your, your post. This is the world we live in. This is the world we live in where the FBI pays up to $1 million, you know, to verify allegations against the dossier and they find out it's fake and they still go through with a three-year investigation which they know for a fact bs that's bureaucratic bs the result of permanent washington what else are they lying on what else let's not forget obama used the irs to go after 
conservatives. Let's not forget that, right? Then the Democrats used the FBI to go after go after conservatives. Now the Democrats are still using the FBI to go after conservatives. Look at them raiding the Mar-a-Lago place. Look at them raiding people who were who were just protesting people who are just protesting abortion peacefully, singing hymns in the hallways. The FBI shows up with guns on their front lawn and treats them like domestic terrorists. These are the domestic terrorists, right? Not the terrorists who are coming in through the border, you know, the, the criminals, the rapists who are coming in through the border. Not the BLM Antifa guys who are burning down buildings, burning down businesses, right? You know, bur- burning down. I remember there was a story about this black guy who opened up his restaurant over there, over there in Minnesota. He didn't really ensure everything. Things were just going, going, uh, going good. And then all of a sudden, before he could op- open up, they burned down his place. Black on black crime, and you know what? No one even gave a damn. Give a damn. Because it was all about George Floyd, right? All about George Floyd and, and pushing this false narrative of how racist America is, how racist white people are. The Democrats are racist. The Democrats are prejudiced. You, if you find the most prejudiced people in the Democrat Party, and they're, and they're so stupid, they don't even know it. They really don't. I am full Chinese, by the way, just to let you know. I am full Chinese. My name is Steve Young. I often get accused of being a racist person because I, I say, I use the word China virus. They say, how can you do that? You're, you know, you're a white guy who hates Chinese. And then I tell them, <laughs> did you see my profile, profile picture? Have you listened to my other podcasts? Have you gone to my website, scriptwritersteve.com and looked at my slant eyes, my black hair, and notice that I am Chinese. All right? Okay? So I should get a pass to insult Chinese if I want. Right? But no, I'm a white person who hates Chinese. According, and they don't, they don't even want to admit that. They don't want to go to the website because they want to live in their bubble of hate. Not only... Here's a really interesting thing about Democrats, right? Not only... Not only do they live in a bubble, but they live in a bubble of anger, of prejudice, of hate. And they've, they've devoted so much of their life, so much of their life on hating something, right? Saying that this is the way, this is the way, this is the way, this is the way, I believe this way. And if you come to them and say, wait, wait a minute, here's some facts, because that is not the way. They don't want to listen because what happens? I remember talking to this one, this one Democrat friend. She was a sister of one of my friends, right? And she's a Democrat. And uh, I, I told her, why don't you take a look at this information about the vaccine written, written by the NIH? And she said, I don't want to actually read that. And I said, why? And she said, well, I've been recommending the vaccine to everyone. And if I find out that the vaccine actually causes like heart palpitations, any of these kind of like, you know, vaccine injuries, I'm going to feel like I lied to my, uh, I'm going to feel like I lied to my patients. So if I don't read that, I didn't lie to them. So I don't want to read it. She's a doctor. I'm I'm sorry. She's a nurse practitioner. How do you like that? So they're willfully burying their head in the sand, you know, so they can feel good about themselves. That's Typical Democrat for you. 
Typical. All right, people, it is 2.06 a.m. Thank you so much for listening. I got to head to bed. I think I'll watch some HBO Max before I head to bed. I'm watching this, this uh, movie called Super Pets. Really, really liked it, and I stopped it just to talk to you folks. And uh, thank you again so much for listening. Thank you again for booking with me, too. All my wedding couples that book with me and are listening to my podcast. Love you all. And you, you really do a lot for me. Help me pay the bills. And it's not easy living in Hawaii. Everything's so damn freaking expensive. Thank you again so much. And I will talk to you later. Bye. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I had fun podcasting. If you like what you hear, please share my podcast. If you can't find me, look on your favorite podcast platform and look for BBQ two movies that's bbq to movies yeah the to is not the number two by the way it is to like terrell owens so that's bbq two movies catch you around